Well, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Let me begin by reading, finally. So, you got to remember, Paul has been writing six, you know, five complete chapters, and he's outlined uh, just glorious theology, and he's talked about the practical application and implications of that glorious theology, and here he's coming to the end of his letter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. I don't know about you, but I enjoy the Pink Panther movies with uh, Peter Seller, and he's, uh, he's Inspector Clouseau, and he's, he's got that manservant, Cato. I love Cato. And Inspector Clouseau um, asks Cato to attack him at any time in any place. Uh, and he, because Inspector Clouseau believes that uh, if, if, Cato could attack me, then I'm going to have to be always on guard, always alert, and this is going to make me a better, you know, inspector. Uh, Inspector Clouseau believes that if he has to be on guard 24-7 for the possible attacks of Cato, it's going to make him safer overall in life. And so, of course, Cato does attack him at some very inconvenient moments that uh, provide lots of humor. I love those little bits. They're hysterical. Uh, but I was thinking as I'm preparing the, the message today, I, I was thinking, you know, we need to be like Inspector Clouseau because the fact is we have a spiritual enemy of our souls who can attack us 24-7 anywhere on planet Earth. We are in a spiritual battle, God tells us, and it's every day and every moment of every day. Now, sometimes that battle, if, sometimes we feel like we're on, on the outskirts, the battle's, you know, raging over there, and then sometimes we feel like we are right in the epicenter of the battle. But the fact is, we can't bury our heads in the sand. We can't ever take a time out. Uh, time out. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Nope. You are a human created in the image of God, and you have an enemy of your soul who is out to keep you from God and all that he has for you. And so we do need to be like Inspector Clouseau, always on guard, prepared for the, the devil's attacks. So here we are in Ephesians chapter 6. We're looking today at uh, verses 10 to 13, and then we will talk next week, uh, we'll talk about the different pieces of the armor of God. This is a very famous passage about the spiritual battle the Christian is in and the resources God has given us to be victorious in that battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Finally. Paul's coming to the end of his letter. First three chapters were just all theology, talking about uh, who we are in Christ Jesus, and then chapters 4, 5, and 6 are the practical outworkings of that. In light of all that I've told you theologically, here's how you should live your life. And this is his last piece of, it, of uh, instruction. It has to do with the spiritual battle that we are in. Be aware of it, and here's how you can fight it victoriously. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having, having done all, to stand firm. So the first thing I want to point out is that we are in a spiritual battle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We have an enemy of our souls, and his goal is to keep people from God and all that God has for us. And so for the unbeliever, Satan and his army of demons are trying to keep people from repenting of their sins and putting their faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. He doesn't want them to get saved and get their sins forgiven and be reconciled to God and begin a spiritual life. And so, he, you know, towards that end, he promotes unbelief, skepticism, false religions, anything and everything he can do to keep people. Uh, he desensitizes his people to sin. It's not that big of a deal. Anything and everything he can do to keep people from repenting of their sins and putting their faith in God's son, Jesus. And he's wildly successful. Wide is the path that leads to destruction, the Bible says. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Many are on the path of destruction. Unfortunately, through uh, my understanding of Scripture is throughout history, the bulk of humanity uh, has been led astray by uh, the devil and has not come to faith in Jesus Christ and, and as a result won't be in heaven. And that's a very tragic thing. But then Satan fails sometimes, uh, and there are people for whom the scales fall off their eyes they're, they're, they're no longer spiritually blind, and they see the gospel for the good news that it is. And they raise their hand, and they say, I want in. And they repent of their sins. They put their faith in Jesus. They become Christians. They're indwelt with the Spirit of God. They're born again. They become spiritually alive to God. And for those people, Satan's goal is to hamstring, hamstring the Christian so that they live an ineffectual Christian life. To, uh, to tamp down their faith, to sow seeds of doubt and self-doubt 
and entangle them in sin. And so, so just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that, mean that Satan's not you know, after you. He's absolutely trying to eliminate your victory. And so we need to be aware of this. We need to be aware of the schemes of the devil. Some people like to think that uh, even Christians, even some Christians have a hard time in, in the modern world believing in an actual devil and actual demons. And yet the Bible is very clear that they exist. It's not just ancient man's personification of, of things that he, they didn't know about. Uh, the biblical picture is there are, in fact, angelic beings who are personal, who have a will, and the fallen angels, Satan and his demons, they are hell-bent on harming us. It's God they hate, but humans are created in the image of God, and so Satan is going to keep, he's going to strike at those who bear God's image, because Satan knows God loves us, and God wants us to be in a right relationship with him, and God has gone to great lengths, sent his only son to die on the cross so that we can be saved, and so Satan's going to strike against God by striking against us, and his greatest victory is when someone dies in unbelief. And so there is, according to the Bible, an actual devil with a will set on harming us, harming our soul, and demons. And the schemes of the devil are many. Notice here it says, I want you to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, verse 11, schemes plural. The devil has had thousand years to refine his strategies. The devil is intelligent, and those strategies are wildly successful. In fact, if it were not for the indwelling Holy Spirit and for the point we're going to sit on next, which is that God gives us his strength to fight the battle, if it weren't for that fact, uh, we would have no hope, and we should despair because the forces of darkness are stronger than we are. You can't outsmart the devil. You can't stand up to the devil's onslaughts, which is why apart from the transforming Holy Spirit indwelling a person, uh, they are captive to the kingdom of darkness and without hope. But the amazing thing is God actually gives us his power to fight the battle, which means we can be successful. But the schemes of the devil are varied they're effective, but it's wise that we um, think about the devil's schemes. In fact, I encourage you to, to have your eyes open and your, your mind going and be, be observing the world and how the devil uh, entangles people and traps people. Because the more you can identify his schemes, uh, the easier it is for you to avoid getting caught in those traps. I want to recommend a book to you. Many of you have probably read it, and, but I recommend rereading it. C.S. Lewis. It's called The Screwtape Letters. This is such a profound book. And in this book, C.S. Lewis seeks to uh, expose some of the schemes the devil uses to keep people either from God 
or keep Christians uh, hamstrung and, and not victorious. The Screwtape Letters, it's uh, fictional work. These are letters uh, written supposedly by Uncle Screwtape to his nephew, uh, Wormer, nephew Wormer, thank you. And they're demons, right? So it's uncle, the uncle demon, screw tape, and he's advising his nephew, Wormwood, another demon, uh, on how to keep this, this British man, they call him the patient, how to keep the patient from God. Uh, and during the book, Wormwood fails in that. Of course, that makes his uncle very angry. And then the strategy changes to, all right, well, let's now at least keep him keep the patient from having any victory spiritually and, and certainly not uh, harming, harming us with his new faith. Uh, it's just a brilliant book. In fact, I, uh, a young man came to me after Thursday and said, I was a little spooked as I heard you reading C.S. <laughs> Lewis. I'm thinking, how does this guy know the mind of the devil so well? Because I've experienced all that. Uh, He's an observer of, uh, of the world. So let me read you some of the, just some of these uh, strategies Lewis identifies in the book. The first one is uh, the devil making people believe they're not going to be happy until some later date when their ship comes in. And this keeps people from being content with what God has provided them in the here and now, and it keeps them from living in the here and now. Uh, they're kind of living always with an eye toward the future. And, and so a screw tape writes to Wormwood, quote, We want a whole race perpetually in pursuit of the rainbow's end. Never honest, nor kind, nor happy now, but always using as mere fuel wherewith to heap the altar of the future every real gift which is offered them in the present. There's another temptation. It's the te tempting people to partake of pleasure outside of their intended time and manner. Screwtape writes, Wormwood, quote, Never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy's ground. Enemy for them is God. I know we've won many a soul through pleasure all the same, it is his invention, not ours. He made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce a single one. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. Here's another scheme. It's affirming in people the belief that their time is their own. Wormwood. You must zealously guard in his mind the curious assumption, quote, my time is my own. Let him have the feeling that he starts each day as the lawful possessor of 24 hours. Let him feel as a grievous tax that portion of this property which he has to give his employer. And as a generous donation, that further portion which he allows to religious duties. But what he must never permitted, be permitted to doubt is that the total from which these deductions has been made was, in some mysterious sense, his own personal birthright. 
There's another strategy, and it's the strategy of keeping people searching for that perfect church. Surely you know, Wormwood, that if a man can't be cured of church going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. The search for a suitable church makes the man a critic where the enemy wants him to be a pupil. There's another strategy. Planting the idea in people's minds that when bad things happen to them, it's because God has injured them. Wormwood. Men are not angered by mere misfortune, but by misfortune conceived as injury. Isn't that interesting? I think that's true, that it, it's when Christians get thrown by a, by a hard circumstance, it's not usually the hard circumstance that throws them. It's the how could God have allowed this to happen to me and what does that say about who God is and my relationship with God. There's another scheme, the scheme of convincing people that there's no such thing as absolute truth in the realm of religious belief. Quote, Man has been accustomed ever since he was a boy to having a dozen incompatible philosophies dancing about together inside his head. He doesn't think of doctrines as primarily true or false, but rather as academic or practical, outworn or contemporary, conventional or ruthless. Jargon, Wormwood, not argument, Listen to that. Jargon, not argument, is your best ally in keeping him from the church. By the very fact of arguing, you awake the patient's reason. And once it's awake, who can foresee the result? Here's the final one I want to hit today. Final scheme of the devil is to focus people's imagination on the future and in particular on the myriad of bad things that could befall them. Quote, there is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. He, God, wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. And I, I, this is a very powerful point. Lewis makes because he's he says you know what if these Christians think about the past they'll realize that God has been faithful to them always right you think about the past God was faithful to me that's been a hundred percent of the time if they think about the present then they're going to say well God is being faithful to me he is taking care of me in the present the only opportunity we have is to focus people on the future because we can spin a tale of the future in which God isn't faithful to them and he doesn't take care of them and bad things happen to them that they can't 
that they can't survive, right? So this is one of the, this is a, a big point that uh, Uncle Wormwood makes to, nope, Uncle Screwtape makes to Wormwood. For this, for these Christians, you you you've, you can't talk. You don't let them think about the past because they'll say, "Oh yeah, God was faithful." Don't even let them think about the present. God is faithful. Just keep keep spinning tales of the future in which they're not okay and God doesn't take care of them, and then they'll live out of that fear and anxiety. Please hear that. Please get that. This is a, a, a fundamental. This is a very key. Uh, strategy the evil one uses to, to rob from Christians the peace that is theirs, the confidence that is theirs in God. So we're in a spiritual battle. We have an enemy of our souls who is st- strategic, <laughs> and uh, he employs such a vast strategy, you know, uh, all he, he, he will use whatever strategy he needs to use. Maybe it's to get you entangled into deep sin. Maybe it's the strategy of getting you to feel like you're good about, you know, good enough all by yourself. He doesn't care as long as it keeps you from God and all that God has for you. He's crafty that way. And so there's the bad news, the, the reality that we have to live in. But then there's some really, really glorious news. And the glorious news is that God gives us his strength to fight the battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. That's actually not so you might possibly. It's so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So we actually are guaranteed victory in this battle if we will put on the full armor of God and strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord is actually a passive participle. Uh, it's strengthen yourself in the Lord. Might be a better way to trans- uh, translate that. Um, strengthen yourself in the Lord. And it, And put on the whole armor of God. And if you do that, if we will do that, we will live a victorious Christian life. We will stand until the end. And what does it mean to stand? It doesn't mean that we won't ever sin. It means that we will remain in Christ, uh, faithful to the end. The, The evil one won't be able to take us out. So the Lord has given us his strength. Here's an example. Uh, I love this. This is a great story. Uh, David in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. David, this is before he's king of Israel. He, but he is still, he's a leader. He's got about 300 men who are following him, and they, they're warriors. Uh, and they're camped at Ziklag right at this time. And they, David and his men go off to fight. And they leave the wife, their wives and children and all their goods back at Ziklag. And while they're off doing war stuff, the Amalekites come and raid the camp and take off, uh, take off into captivity 
the wives and children and plunder them. David and his men return. They discover what has happened, and the, David's men turn on him. They actually talk about stoning him. And David, David's lost his, his own two wives. And David is, is at a very, very low point. And we, so here's what we read, verse 6, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. So feel that. Feel how low he is. The circumstance is bad. For the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul. The whole camp is just devastated, each for his sons and daughters. But David, what did David do? Did David give up? Nope. Did David pull himself up by his bootstraps and did he, did he rouse himself and say, I am David. I'm awesome. I'm a super brilliant a strategist. I'm a strong in arm. I could do this. No. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I think David probably went to the Lord and said, God, what do I do? I, I'm at the end of myself. I am desperately in need of you. God, please, please help us. And then he remembered that God is for him, not against him. He remembered that God has anointed him, the future king of Israel, that God is with him, that God had helped him defeat Goliath. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in who God is and God's promises to him. And then he went out. And they did win back their wives and their, and their children and their plunder from the Amalekites. So the, the, the Christian in this spiritual battle, our war cry is never uh, a self-confident, I can do it, right? It's not a self-confident cry, it's a God-confident cry. I can do all things. No? Well, it doesn't stop there, right? I can do all things, say it out with me, through Christ who strengthens me. It is God at work in us that gives us the confidence and the courage to fight this battle, confident that we will win. It's God working in us and through us. And so, <clears throat> who's tired of fighting this battle? <laughs> Raise your hand. Anybody over 30? No. Everybody over there. Actually, everybody should be. But the older I get, the, the more uh, it, it is true. The older I get, the more I am... I just say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm exhausted. Uh, and on my own strength, I would fall. I would fall. We would fall. And then to, I look back and I say, but God has strengthened me, and I'm still standing. Despite all the uh, Satan's attacks, I'm still standing. Is that because I'm strong? No, it's because he's faithful and he strengthens me. And so... We just keep going back to the Lord and we say, God, I could get very scared about the future because I know how weak I am and I know how bad things can get. And, and I don't have confidence in myself, and that's scary. But I'm going to look to you, and I'm going to just ask you, God, and I'm going to cling to he who began a good work in you 
will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I, take, I strengthen myself in the Lord and in his promises. And based on who God is, what did Sabrina say? Right? My circumstances are always outmatched by the character of my God. They can't stand up to the character of God. And so we take hope because God gives us his strength to fight the battle. Now, I have some affirmations in your bulletin, and I actually missed the first one. So let's go back. We're going to do the first affirmation, which is about point one, and then we're going to also do affirmation number two. So the first affirmation about the fact that we're in a spiritual battle, here it is on the screen. It's also in your bulletin. Uh, I'm going to read it, and then we're going to say it together. Here it is. So I'm asking you to say this by faith, and it's, I am in a spiritual battle. All right, let's just say it together. Sounds like somebody has faith already. So here we go. I am in a spiritual battle. The devil is trying to keep me from God and all that he has for me. In order to stay safe, I must remain on guard against the devil's scheme. No letdown, no letdown. Here's affirmation number two. The devil is too strong to fight in my own strength. Thankfully, God gives me his strength. If I'll strengthen myself in the Lord, putting on his armor then I will remain standing to the end. Amen. Third thing I want to point out in this passage is that people are never the enemy in the spiritual battle. Yeah. I didn't believe that myself. I had to really study that. <laughs> that can't be true. I must have got that wrong. People are never the enemy in the spiritual battle. I am convinced that that's what it means when it says in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's people. In this spiritual battle, we don't wrestle against people. We are wrestling against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And I don't know exactly what all those individual words mean. There's lots of debate. Um, most people think that final statement, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, kind of is a, summarizes the others. Uh, but the point is, there, are, there, are, there, is, a, there is a spiritual uh, force of evil, right? Uh, there, are, there is a devil, there are demons, there, there, there are spiritual enemies, and the enemies to our soul are not people. People do bad things to me. People do bad things to you. Absolutely. And God will hold people accountable for what they do. They're accountable to God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay but people aren't the enemy uh, of our souls. Why do people do bad things? They do bad things because they are being deceived. They believe that cursing and lying and being selfish are good for them. They've been deceived. And, and I... <clears throat> when the Bible says that these demonic forces are the enemy, it's giving us the green light to slay them in the faith, right? 
The Bible never, ever, ever gives us the green light to go slay people. Not in our hearts, not physically. So what does Jesus say about the Roman soldiers who are beating him and spitting on him and cursing him and then put him up on the cross? He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They're being deceived. And so what does the Bible tell us to do uh, about people? Well, it says to do this. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. People who harm us do so because they're deceived. They're not the enemy. In fact, they could become a brother or sister in Christ. They could be rescued and someday be praising God with us. And so what do we do for the people who harm us? We don't go seek to slay them. We pray for them. And we don't give up on them. And we witness to them. And we show them kindness and mercy and grace because they're not the enemy. They are victims. And we are, we are hoping that they will be rescued before the end comes. Super, super important to always remember who the real enemy is so that we're fighting the real enemy and not the people who are victims. The final point I want to make is the super, super, super good news that the battle's going to end someday. And it's going to end in victory for the people of God. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Now is the evil day. Right now, the devil, the demonic realm, still has uh, the opportunity to wreak havoc in the world, to compound brokenness, to attack people. Uh, but that day is going to end. Their days are numbered. Uh, and there will come a day when, either when you die or when Christ returns, uh, when... Uh, the, demon, the, the demonic will have no more opportunity to harm. And we look forward to that day. Ugh, that's why we, we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Uh, we want these, these, this day of struggle to end. And it is coming. Uh, someday there's coming an end. In Hebrews 12, 6, there's still a, coming a day of rest for the people of God. I look forward to that day of rest. Don't you just look forward to that day of rest? But, but we, can't let, we can't rest yet. We can't let our guard down yet. We are in a battle now. We must strengthen ourselves in the Lord, put on the full armor of God so that we may stand. But be encouraged. Uh, there is coming a day of rest for the people of God. And so we can let that, uh, the knowledge of that coming day encourage us, strengthen us, to fight 
in the evil day, which is temporary. So we have two more. Uh, I think I skipped another one. Yes, we're going to say this one together here. I'll read it. I'm going to read it first, then we'll say it together. Uh, this is the affirmation about people are never the enemy. Yes, people do bad things for which they are accountable to God. But demons, not people, are my enemy in the spiritual battle. My goal for people is to see them set free from demonic deception and transformed by the love of God in Jesus Christ. Ready to say that? Here we go. Yes, people do bad things, so do I, for which they are accountable to God. But demons, not people, are my enemy in the spiritual battle. My goal for people is to see them set free from demonic deception and transformed by the love of God in Jesus Christ. And the final affirmation, here it is, the spiritual battle will end in victory for the people of God. I'll let that hope energize my fight in the current day of evil. Say it together. The spiritual battle will end in victory for the people of God. I will let that hope energize my fight in the current day of evil. Let's fight in the, in the power of, of God in his armor so we can be victorious and mighty and that other people through our witness will be in heaven someday. Let's pray for that. Uh, so next week we're going to be unpacking the armor of God and looking at all the different uh, accoutrements. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we want to just plug our ears, close our eyes, bury our head in the sand, and uh, act as if there isn't a battle raging around us. And, but it is. And we all have, we've all felt it, we feel it, the struggle of life. And so, God, would you just, uh, we, right now, we recommit ourselves to strengthening ourselves in you and taking up the full armor of God so that we can stand. Help us to be victorious. We want to live victorious Christian lives so that we are taking ground back from the evil one. And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.